You're listening to the Gold Standard Podcast. I'm your host, three-time Olympian and motivational speaker, Leah Amico. On this show, we're going to dig deep to unlock what it actually takes to build a foundation for greatness. If you're an ambitious person with big vision, but you feel like fear is holding you back, get ready for some major breakthroughs. Let's dive in. Welcome back to another episode of the Gold Standard Podcast, sponsored by Major Media League. Today's guest is very special to me. She was the Max Preps Player of the Year, California Gatorade Player of the Year for softball in 2017. She was also the National Gatorade Softball Player of the Year. That's a big deal nationally. And she played, got a college scholarship at Cal State Fullerton. I want to welcome Taylor Dawkins to the show. (laughs) Thank you, Leah. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to do this with you and just thank you for wanting me to be a part of it. Yeah, I'm excited for everybody to hear your story, Taylor, because uh, you're just somebody who, in my mind, possesses just some of the strongest mental strength that I have seen, the most positivity. You've been through a lot, but ultimately, like, you, your hope is always at the forefront. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk a little bit about softball and your softball journey, first and foremost. I need you to tell me your size, because we're going to rattle off. I said your awards, but we're going to rattle off some numbers for you, and I think your size is important. How tall are you? I'm 5'4". Okay, talk to me about being a 5'4 softball pitcher. Did it ever cross your mind, like, wait, some of those Olympians, they are, you know, six feet one. How can I be this great pitcher? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, looking at Jenny Finch and those tall pitchers, Kat Osterman, um, I knew I had to work harder, even being shorter. I knew that I had to put that work in, and I had to have that mindset of just making sure that I was strong enough, and I had it mentally, physically to actually be that player I wanted to be and um, just be the pitcher that I wanted to be. I like that because I played with athletes that were faster than me, stronger than me, especially when I got to the level of being an Olympian. But it's not that. It's what when you focus on what you have, right? You're talking about and and your work ethic. So talk to me. For you to be such a top player, to to win those awards, National Gatorade Softball Player of the Year, what were the main characteristics that you believe helped you to be that elite player? Honestly, mindset, number one, being strong, um, making sure I had that strong mindset on the field, off the field, especially in the circle when I was playing, Um, and also putting that work in, making sure I was putting the work in day in, day out, and even though I practiced for four to five hours after you know, after school, at high school, I was making sure that I was putting the work in after. I would go home and I would do drills, hit, pitch, spins, whatever I needed to do to make myself better. Okay, so what pushed you to do that extra work? Um, Honestly, I just knew I wanted to be the pitcher I wanted to be and just be stronger, and I knew I had to put that work in. So I wanted to be that pitcher that won all those awards and, you know, I'll honestly just be that pitcher that could be – unbeatable honestly was my goal and I just knew I had to put that work in and honestly just myself my mindset and also my parents pushed me as well I think it's great when you start with that belief from within I am a big believer that it needs to come from within Mm -hmm. I was coaching with uh, another high school coach and we played in this all-star game and the opponent she was a fiery little pitcher Mm -hmm. I mean I played a lot in my career but watching her this coach said to me you know I'd really like to meet her parents like Mm -hmm. that's where she got her fire from (laughs) and I remember thinking you know my parents supported me and they helped me have every opportunity for success but really ultimately I felt like my fire came from within would you say the same for yourself oh yeah definitely my parents were 
extremely into this sport and ex extremely into just making sure I was the best I could be. And they pushed me day in, day out. And my dad would catch me when I was pitching when I was younger. My mom would always just be there to make sure that I was putting those that work in and those drills. And um, they were just extremely um, into it with me. Well, and I, I think... You know, a lot of people to reach success in anything that you do, it's the people that stay after work, the people that stay after practice, the people that put in the extra time studying, whatever they're doing, I feel like it's those that really kind of consume more you get more reps, right? You get more practice, you, you learn more through those times and that's what ends up producing more success. I want to talk a little bit about this um, career win record. You are the winningest pitcher in high school softball ever in the state of California. How many wins did you get? I have 108 wins. And that's unbelievable. Playing at Norco High School, a, a solid program known for being successful. But that means that every year an average of, what, 27 games were being won. Mm -hmm. So you came in as a freshman. What did that look like? Honestly, I just knew I had to work harder. Um, the pitchers that were already there, I knew I had to outbeat them. And I was going to do as much as I could to try to be that pitcher on that field. And Norco High is a great organization. And I look up to many pitchers that have been there before. And I wanted to just be that pitcher. And I wanted to do what I could. And I knew I was capable of it. That is a lot of wins. And I think it it means a lot when you think about all the best pitchers really in the world that have come from Southern California and played Lisa Fernandez, Michelle Granger. I think of a couple of my Olympic teammates, Jenny Finch, you know, mm -hmm. and the numbers that they also put up and that you, you know, you became the winningest pitcher of all time. So that is awesome. Um, you, I was reading an article and you were talking about your senior year. You had had surgery. Mm -hmm. um, tell me a little bit about the process when you, how you found out you had cancer and kind of what that next step was getting back to softball. Yeah, I found out I had cancer in 2016. Um, I was in Colorado for a softball tournament and there um, I was having some really bad symptoms and I got rushed to the emergency room one night and that's when they did a CT scan and found out that I had a mass in my liver and being in Colorado at the time, I had to fly back to California, and five days after that, I had to have surgery to get the mass removed. And then when um, it was taken out, they, you know, figured out that it was cancer, liver cancer, and that's just that's just how it started. And then going into that, the process was just getting my mindset strong again, and knowing that I was going to get back on the field. And even though I had cancer, I was not going to let that bring me down. And so was it keeping your eyes on the goals that helped to push you to be able to overcome kind of now this new struggle that you had? Yeah, definitely. I told my softball coach, I was like, I'm going to be back on the field in September. I had the surgery in July and I was going to be back on the field. And just having that strong mindset and having those goals on just making sure that I was going to keep myself fit and I was going to get back to where I was before the surgery. And good thing I was already in shape before going in, I was able to recover fast and I was back on the field pitching for my senior year. Well, I think it's one thing to talk about a strong mindset and you absolutely have that. 
But what about staying positive? Because that's where I feel like you kind of are set apart from a lot of people. Like people go through challenges. We all face different difficulties. But for you, what I've watched is you have stayed positive and optimistic throughout this entire journey. So what keeps you so positive? Honestly, I've always just been a positive person. And even though I'm going through this, I just know I have to stay positive and lean on my faith. Honestly, God is the only thing that has really gotten me through and the prayers from every support system that I have and every person out there. It's just honestly incredible. And just knowing that it's always in the mindset and always just staying positive, even in the hospital, even talking to the nurses, I'm always like, they're always like, wow, you always say thank you and, and please and thank you and all that stuff, even though you're in so much pain. And, you know, I just make sure that I'm always just staying positive throughout everything. I mean, you never know when it's your last day. So just, you know, keep persevering. And do you just think that you want to get the most out of life no matter what it is that you're Definitely. doing? Yeah, every single day. No matter what, I'm just always just relying on my faith and just pushing through every single day and staying positive. I do believe in the power of prayer and I've been, you know, really honored to be able to pray with you over the phone many, many times right before you're going in some major surgeries. We know that you're in God's hands every single time. Obviously, you know, we pray for the doctors and the surgeons and for them to have that wisdom, but I think your peace is another thing. I want to talk a little bit about that. Like um, you know, what would you tell somebody else who is like, I am not at peace. Like I just have this worry, this fear, this anxiety. What would you say? Because when I look at you and through this entire situation, the past six years with your journey with cancer, many, many surgeries, how many surgeries has you, have you had? Oh gosh, I can't even count. Probably the most, maybe 10, 10. Okay, and and big ones. I know. (laughs) Major surgeries, um, but I feel like the peace is what I notice. What would you say to somebody who says, I have no peace? Yeah, I mean, that's tough. I mean, I met a lot of people in the hospital, um, many kids, many adults that don't have peace, that don't even know God, don't even have their faith, especially with what they're going through. And I just constantly remind them that, you know, even though you have this, you can't let this bring you down. You can't let this define you. And you have to, you know, make sure you find the Lord and make sure you have to pray about it because even though you're going through this, it could be, it could be really tough or it could be really great. I mean, even though I'm going through something really bad, I'm staying positive because I'm not letting that bring me down. Cause if you let that bring you down, that's, you know, you just know where you're going to end up. So staying positive, making sure you just have your, um, you know, your faith and your leaning on the Lord is honestly the only thing I can really tell someone if they can't find their peace in what they're going through. And, you know, to me, I just see that people almost draw strength from you. They look to you. They see how you're going through it. You know, talk to me a little bit about um, some of your teammates. I remember you talking about in college, you maybe would have a treatment in the morning and then you would go and be like, I'm going to go to lift. And almost like some of these athletes, it kind of clicked with them of they were complaining about being tired and thinking, oh my gosh, you know, and then they'd see you and it almost would just think, wait a second, it shifted their perspective. I honestly love that. I love that it did shift their perspective because they take their day, you know, people just take their life for granted. And even though I'm going through something, I'm going to be pushing through and I'm going to be getting out there and just living life. And someone who's healthy may just be like, gosh, life sucks or whatever. But honestly, just making sure that you just are living life because you just never know when a moment could come that your life could totally change forever. 
That's right. And you, you're such an example to all of us. Okay. Talking about goals, you mentioned a little bit like, okay, my goal, I was going to be the best pitcher at that high school that I go into a really qualified high school and you earn that starting spot and you got all of those wins from the circle. And then, okay, that college scholarship, I'm going to, I'm going to be able to go after that and make that happen. How important is goal setting to, to go after your dreams? Yeah. I mean, I've had goals throughout my entire life. My goal when since I was a kid to play in high school, then to play in college, and then hopefully one day get to the Olympics. But you know, things do change, but having those goals and those mind, that mindset of just knowing that you can get there is honestly what helped me get through. I mean, having those goals every single day of working hard, I was going to get to college, I was going to be that pitcher, I wanted to be the best, and just always setting those standards for me as I know how high I can get and how the best I can be. And so I think that's something when you say, I wanted to be the best. I also wanted to be the best. <laughs> and to me, that's a, another thing that's kind of internal, that that self-motivation, that internal motivation. Some people need those external rewards in order to get motivated and to think I'm going to keep pushing. But being the best, I believe, is tied to those that will work to become the best and therefore they'll see that dream and that goal a lot more likely to be reached and to be overcome. Um what about now? What are the goals that you have now? So right now, um, you know, going through treatment, but my goals are to just get back to school. I have one more semester left to finish and I will graduate from college. And then also I have an internship ready for me with ESPN. I can commentate for baseball and softball and hopefully just, um, you know, work behind the camera and kind of get to know a little bit more about commentating and broadcasting. That's my goal. And I don't know. Let's see where that takes me. There's a saying and it's what you focus on grows. And I like this saying because when I look at you, Taylor, and I see the joy in the midst of trials and overcoming surgeries to saying I'm getting that next thing that comes my way and really taking every opportunity to the utmost and being the best that you can be no matter what you're doing. I see you focusing on what is next, what can I accomplish, what do I want to go out and do, and not focusing on the diagnosis, the surgery, how hard the recovery is going to be. Speak into that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I just recently had a procedure, two procedures back to back, and I'm always looking ahead. I'm always like, okay, what's next? Um, I do talk to my parents, I talk to friends, talk to family, and you know, they're always like, gosh, that's, that's going to be a really hard surgery. And, you know, we'll have like those moments of, you know, just crying or whatever. But honestly, I just look for, okay, what's next? I'm going to get through this. I have to kind of put myself in that mindset of like, okay, just get through this. We can do this fight mode pretty much. And that's what I've always lived with. Um, even in softball, I would always be like, okay, I got to fight. I got it. This is my job. This is what I have to do. And then we can, you know, go to the next thing, but I'm always looking forward and always looking past what could be better than what's happening now. And we know those athletes that rise up to those elite levels. It really is that mental edge that separates them from others. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about those athletes then that have more talent potentially, and maybe they have a bigger build. They're stronger. They're faster but then they struggle to get it done. What would you say that you have seen in other athletes uh, where they maybe fall short and that they can improve upon? Yeah, well I've seen many pitchers, especially um, on the field, and they 
you know, are pitching or they're against a really good team and they're doing good maybe the first few innings and then all of a sudden some hits are off of them after, you know, the lineup goes through once and they're into the second lineup and they're just not getting it done. They start getting hits off of them and they start getting rattled. And honestly, there's moments that I've had that but never been rattled. Just, okay, I need to get back into regrouping, getting my mindset of what I need to do for the next batter and just progressing from there. Um, I think honestly pitchers can be better at just having that mindset of knowing I can get the job done and not letting a few hits or maybe a home run off of them get them rattled in that position and just making sure just think of the next batter and what you could do better. Okay, we all face different obstacles, challenges, trials. We've talked a little bit about that already today. But I am a big believer that we can turn obstacles into actual opportunities. That we go through things that it might be a change, but it's out of our comfort zone that growth happens the most. That when we stay comfortable and we're in our area that is secure and we aren't challenged, then we don't really grow. It's like when you're lifting weights, right? The, the heavier weights that you lift, it is, ends up building more muscles, right? The, sh- the things that we go through, that we struggle through, if we choose, and if we do it the right way, we actually can come out on the other side stronger. Have you been able to use your experience, not only your success in the softball field, but maybe challenges you face there, as well as through you know, your journey with cancer, how have you turned obstacles into opportunities? Where have you seen new growth happen? Yeah, honestly, so starting with the diagnosis with cancer, I've seen many opportunities grow, especially with obstacles that I have faced. Um, But the opportunities there, I think growing stronger in my faith, honestly, um, getting to share my story with others, even though I may be going through something, they may be going through something, I can share with them how I get through, how I stay positive, how I just get through life always thinking that it could be better and it's going to get better. Um, With softball, I think being on the field and just having those stressful opportunities and making myself better and pushing myself to know that I can get out of this situation. I'm going to get to the next batter. I'm going to get my you know, my team in the dugout and we're going to come out and we're going to hit. So just making sure that I'm just staying you know, really good and in, in the circle and just getting um, better each day. When refusing to give up, right? Persevering, mm-hmm. you're building character, right? Mm-hmm. And, and just again, I think keeping your eyes past the struggle, mm-hmm. keeping your eyes on the other side of the trial, which is what I've watched you do. We've been able to see how you've dealt with your journey, uh, even how you've handled pain. I feel like your mental strength has helped you um, and you don't sit and you're not a victim, I think that's very, very important because people go through struggles and as soon as they sit back and they immediately say, why me? I I think it just puts them in a a really defeated position. Have you seen that? Yes, definitely. And honestly, going through this obstacle, I've never, ever said that. And people do. Um, I've never ever said, why me? You know, I, I honestly believe that I don't think that God gave me cancer, honestly. I think he gave me this platform um, to rise above it, be strong, show that I can do whatever I want to do. Um, and he gave me that platform just to be the best I can be and just show people, you know, God and show him, show them my faith and show them how strong I am in my faith. Um, but people who do go that do go through this, they do want to say, why me? Why am I chosen? But I think there's a reason for everything in life. 
Yeah, and I, and I just watch you deal with it so gracefully. Now, that's not to say we don't have moments of that, but I think it's when people get stuck in that position. That's when, again, you don't see, you almost see them go backwards and you see people turn to really bad things. But for you, I feel like you've been able to continue to open up when you're feeling healthy enough. Opportunities, like you mentioned, you know, this internship with ESPN and being able to be involved with college softball and, and college baseball. All right, let's talk a little bit about leadership. All right. Um, what would you say the best qualities? First, let's talk about uh, teammates. What, when you come onto your high school team, your college team, um, what were the best qualities of leaders within the team? Yeah, I mean, going into high school um, and watching those seniors play, I think they had really great leadership, especially in college too. I had the best years of my life being a freshman and just learning from them and knowing what I was supposed to do on the field and being that leader. And if I did something wrong or a player did something wrong, they would come to us and they would show us what we did wrong and talk to us about how we can be better. And I think being a great leader in that way is really huge and making sure that they're not, you know, even though you're a freshman, you're not beaten down by seniors and they want to talk to you and they want to show you how you could grow and how to do better. And I think leadership is very um, amazing and, and that's key to how to be a great leader, honestly. When I think about quality leaders, I think of the fact that if they're really good at what they do, they're going to create more leaders, not just followers. I feel like when people want to take their position of power and they want to use it against people and almost keep people down, like almost like I have to stay up here. Those are a lot of times insecure leaders when they won't delegate and they won't allow others to be able to bring out their own strength. I mean, I think we're better together and strong leaders are not afraid to surround themselves with a, with other leaders. What about even coaches you've played for? I I think one of the most important qualities a leader can have is to care about those that you're leading. How important is that? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, even coaches that I played for, they've had amazing leadership. Um, but I think being in, involved in the player, having that relationship with the player, and knowing their strengths and how great they can become is really huge and having those coaches that I've had have been amazing um there were a couple that were you know kind of hard on that but they were people that I could actually learn from and they can really teach me the value and you know how much strength I can actually have in the circle um whenever um, I'm on the mound what about the flip side because we all hear and I see it I see it on social media and um, I had, you know, one, mostly just one situation where I started to lose the love of the game. I actually, I, I, I worked with some athletes in Pennsylvania this past weekend and, um, one of the athletes came up to me almost in tears and she said, what do you do when you feel like you want to walk away from the sport because of a coach that you've had? And I just tried to encourage her and I told her, you know, it's not the sport that you're walking away. You would be walking away from the sport. It's not the sport that you don't love anymore. It's the situation. So did you ever have any bad coaches and how did you get out of that situation? Yeah. Um, I've had a couple, um, but you know, I mean, I'm just so young and even though they were they were great people, great people, but the way they coached was a little more tougher than actually I was used to. So just having those tough coaches were a little bit out of my comfort zone, but they really taught me some great things. And they taught me how to be strong in the mind. And even though they were yelling or whatever they were doing, I knew that it was for the good and I can get better, especially in that mentality. Um, even though 
we all have coaches that could bring us down. I really don't think that you should lose the love for the game because it's just one person. And even though you love it, it, it could make you better, even though you have a bad coach. Yeah, and being able to take something positive, I think, is important. Um, you know, I know some college players who have found themselves in a really unhealthy situation mm-hmm. and have been able to switch colleges and then find, again, that love for the game. I think for me, uh, one of the things that I noticed the difference was playing for coaches who were process-oriented and really kind of kept you focused on building anything you did, what you keep building on that in a positive way. Whereas when I felt like it was hard for me was when everything was outcome-based and then therefore my mind shifted to where it was all about outcome. And in a sense, like that kind of took away the love of it for me because I started focusing on the wrong things. Um, okay, let's talk about um, the D in the gold standard. It, the dedication and drive. Um, you know, you talked a little bit about putting in that extra work. How important is it to really be maybe obsessed <laughs> with what you do if you want to be the very best? Yeah, I mean, I think that's really huge. Putting in the extra work. I have always been that person that would put in the extra work after softball games, after practices. I would always just go home to make myself better. And I think having, you know, my parents there, my coaches were just amazing too. They just really pushed me to be, to be the best I could be. And putting in that extra work, I mean, if it's hitting drills, um, spins, a, a pitcher, um, just putting in that work, you will see the difference. And I can't stress that enough. I've always been that person that was beaded into that you need to put in extra work. You need to be the best you can be. And I think that's really important. So part of my journey, and I'm sure yours as well, um, had to do with with that dedication came a lot of sacrifices. A lot of things I actually had to give up. If I was going to be spending this extra time with softball, there were a lot of things I had to say no to. But ultimately, again, I knew what my goals were, and so I knew it was worth it. What did you have to sacrifice? Yeah. Well, I think, honestly, priorities, first of all, it's all about your priorities and how good you really want to be in your sport. But a lot of things I had to sacrifice were, I mean, dances. I had to sacrifice, you know, uh, going to family functions, birthday parties. Um, So that was really tough. But honestly, I knew that I was going to get better in my sport. I was going to get there. But my parents and my family understood. They knew that I couldn't be there and, they, and that, you know, it was all going to work out. But um, it's, it's hard to sacrifice, but just know that it could be beneficial in the end. Yeah, I, I feel like for me, um, same thing. Like I think it, you sacrifice, but then you still have the families. And you also um, are getting something that you, I said uh, other people – didn't have opportunities to travel the country and play softball while they're in junior high and high school. I mean, I got that opportunity, you know, and, and so it's kind of like you're sacrificing one thing, but you're gaining something that is also so unique. And so that's important to remember. What about your drive? Why do you love it so much? What pushes you? Honestly, I've always wanted to be a pitcher, even since I was six years old, watching the World Series um, and just watching Stacy Nelson was the pitcher for mm-hmm. Florida and just watching her pitch. I just like, Mom, I want to do that. And she's like, well, you're going to have to work really hard if you want to be a pitcher. But I knew what the work was going to be. I knew the dedication. I knew the drive that I was supposed to have. And just honestly, just working the hardest I could do, the hardest I could you know, do. And, and it was just really 
amazing. It was just a really cool um, opportunity for me and um, just having that drive of just making sure I push through no matter what comes my way. So how does that transfer? You've had this passion. Mm -hmm. Softball has been a part of your Mm -hmm. life since you've been a little girl. Mm -hmm. You have continued to play throughout college. You had to stop a little early because of different treatments that you've had to have um, with your cancer journey. So how does that transfer now into, okay, this next season of life, I'm going to keep those qualities of mm-hmm. wanting to be the best. What does that look like? Is it with that whatever you do? Yeah, with, 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 what I, <laughs> with whatever I do, I just want to make sure that I just live life to the fullest and no matter what comes my way, if it's cancer, if it's, you know, radiation treatment, whatever that comes my way, I just know that I have to persevere and especially doing the internship. I just know that I have to be the best and I have to put the work in um, no matter what you do in life. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about the cancer journey because we've, you know, touched on it. But um, I just love how God works because there are so many moving parts and things. I found out that you were a local athlete who had cancer. I read your story on social media. Your travel ball program that you played for, what program was it? It was Choppers. The Choppers from Southern California. Mm -hmm. I knew the faucets, the coaches Mm -hmm. for this organization. So I reached out and said, hey, can I come? I'd love to meet her. I wanted to talk to you guys and meet you. I wanted to pray for you. Um, and, and then we began this friendship and I've watched it through the years. I I love how it's worked out. I was able to call the game when you got to go in against UCLA and regionals. Um, tell me a little bit about that situation. That was regionals. What year it was for you? Was it your sophomore year? It was my sophomore year. So that was 2019, 2018. 2019. <laughs> and you were in treatment at the time. Yes. Yeah. And and yet coach gave you the ball. Tell us yeah. about that situation. So I just had treatment, I think, last the week before that. And she put me in. And I mean, it was crazy. It was so exciting. So much fun to be on the mound at UCLA and be against one of the best hitters of all time. And it was just really cool. It was a very cool um thing that I had to do and I just was put in I got the ball and I just knew the job I had to do and how to get the job done for my team and it was just an amazing experience um I got onto the field and I mean I the screen in the outfield was like 10 times bigger I was just like so nervous I was just like okay just zone in on the catcher I was just thinking everything was just so much bigger than it was but I just had to zone in and just make sure I was getting the job done and so set it up there were two outs yes right mm-hmm. and there were were there players on base there was no runners on base. Okay, no runners on base. Two outs, but it was one of the nation's top hitters was up to bat, and they needed to get this last out. They could yeah. not get this out. Physically, at that point, what percentage would you say you were at? Probably maybe 65%. I remember your coach talking to us because we're like, are we going to see Taylor in the game? And mm-hmm. she said, well, she's been going through treatments. She's probably only about 65%. But what I saw when you got that ball and you ended up striking her out, right? <laughs> How did that feel? That was amazing. Oh, my gosh. And you yes. got your team out of the inning. And and I just remember I was able to call that because I was doing the games mm-hmm. with ESPN for regionals. Um, and I thought, this is just so neat. I knew personally all the trials you had been through and, you know, the treatments you have been going through. Mm-hmm. 
But I just saw like this mentality that it was like, I don't care if she is 40%, she's going to be better than some athletes that are 100% that don't have the same mindset. Definitely. I mean, I just knew I had to go in there, get the job done for my team. And even though I was not 100%, I knew that I was going to get that strength and I was going to do whatever I could with the strength that I had. And so, okay, so then you um, continued to go through treatments. Cancer had spread. Uh, you got taken off of the transplant list at that time. And then you guys ended up finding out that they did living donors. Take me through that process. Yes. So Tom Stockwell, he's with Fibro Fighters. And I'm, I have fibrolamellar liver cancer. And so he runs the organization. And he's the one that kind of leads all my treatment. He lets us know what's, what's up, what's, what they've been studying, um, what would be helpful to actually remove this cancer. Um, so we talked to him and he said that Pittsburgh, UPNC, um, does live liver donors and the legend is Dr. Humar. And he told us a little bit about him and just what he has done. We looked him up and he was just the person that we needed to go to, to actually get a transplant. And I love this story because when it came down to the actual, you know, transplant happening, they had to find that living donor. And so mm -hmm. you had to find a perfect match, first of all, someone that's willing, right? And then, you know, they needed to, there were markers they had to meet. And as it would work out, my best friend, Christy Menashe, her husband, Josh, said, well, if I'm a match, I have a certain blood type, mm -hmm. then I would do it for her. And that process played out. I think he came and met you guys. Yeah, or? so Christy reached out to me on Instagram and she was like, hey, I heard you need a liver transplant. You know, what's your blood type? We were kind of just discussing back and forth and she mentioned that Josh is O positive and I'm O positive. So O is universal so you can give to whoever, but O positive is like the perfect match. And she said, I'm not a match, but Josh is. And we kind of just went back and forth. And then we went over to their house and kind of met them and kind of just discussed the situation a little bit. And he was more than willing. I gave him the um, information on how to sign up to be, um, you know, a liver donor. And he was more than willing and he was excited about it. And that's how it first started. And so take me through a year ago. You just came up on the year yeah. anniversary of October this, 1st. Yeah, yeah, this transplant that took place. Take me into that, that time last year in October as you were heading into the surgery. Yeah, so my mom and I were there for a few days before the transplant, and then Josh and Christy came. And during that time, I was just more than excited to just get this old liver out and get a new one. I was really in bad in a bad situation right before and um just my numbers were high I was just not feeling well and so when the day came we had to wake up early and we all went to the hospital all together in the same car and it was just it was nerve-wracking but we were really excited and Josh was just really excited to do this for me and when we got wheeled in this is something I only my parents really know but when we got wheeled in I was sitting there on the bed and the curtain was kind of pulled because some people don't want to know who their donor is or who they're giving to but me and Josh knew each other so he was like hey Taylor and I'm like hey and so the people were there and they were like oh you guys know each other we'll move you by each other and it was just a really cool moment and it was just um, awesome to just be right by him and know that he was doing this for me and then he got wheeled in and then I got wheeled in after him and then yeah and then 
everything just worked out and everything worked amazingly and it just is a blessing. And so you've had some ups and downs this, this past year. Mm-hmm. Um, just recently you had another tumor removed, um, most of it anyways. You know, t- take me through this past year, your relationship now with Josh mm-hmm. um, and just kind of where you're at. Yeah. I mean, Josh is so amazing. We have such a great time together. We meet for dinners. I go over to their house, my parents, and he's just such an amazing guy. Uh, We both are a little bit more emotional, especially after the transplant. And it's just really cool to see how much we both have grown just as people and how much our faith has grown. And it's just really awesome to just know what he has done. And it's just such a blessing. And Right now, um, they did remove the tumor, like you mentioned. So right now, I'm just I'm on chemotherapy and starting radiation in a few weeks. Um, but just staying positive is really all I can do, and just leaning on the Lord because I know He will get me through it all. Yeah, and you know we wear bracelets that say "Pray for mm-hmm. Tay" and Taylor Strong, and I just think, you know, the prayers of many around this country, around the world, mm-hmm. have been prayed and I really feel like God has answered a lot of those prayers but you are such a witness you're such a light you're such an example to everyone who knows you and sees you and gets to hear so I'm really glad we've been able to share your story Uh, how can people find you yeah I'm on Instagram I'm on Facebook Twitter Um, Instagram is Taylor underscore Dawkins 16 Um, Twitter is 16 T money and then Facebook is just Taylor Dawkins so you really can find me on any of those social media platforms and soon with ESPN ESPN plus as well at Cal State Fullerton working with softball and baseball there I'm so excited for those opportunities (laughs) all right as we just finish up one last thing and I know we've talked a lot about different things overcoming adversity and staying positive and mental strength and setting goals and all these different things Um, just what's your last piece of advice to people who maybe feel like they, they just can't, they can't overcome this one area. What would you say to them? Yeah. I think some people are stuck, especially if they find out they have cancer or they have a certain situation or if they're even stuck in losing their love for the game of softball. I mean, honestly, just keep your hope. Honestly, is that that's everything that I have always done is just keep my hope, keep my faith and just know that you will get through this and it will get better. And just know that even though you have this going on, um, just make sure you just live life every day to the fullest. Yeah. And, and, and you, I believe how you live that almost, um, is contagious to people around you. So thank you for everything you've shared today. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank you for listening to another episode of the gold standard podcast. Again, it's sponsored by major media league. We hope you've been encouraged by what's been shared today. Taylor is such an inspiration. And if you have been encouraged, make sure to share it with somebody else. Thanks. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Gold Standard Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share it with a friend. You can post on social media and tag at Leah20USA or use hashtag Gold Standard Podcast. Make sure you also subscribe so you get notified each week as a new episode releases. You can subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. We appreciate your reviews as they help encourage others to listen in. Until next time, live out the gold standard and keep turning your goals into reality.